Hello. It is Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki. And Dr. Rob Balco. And we have a special guest today, Kate Donovan, who is a burnout expert, and it is the Practical Medicine Podcast. Um, Rob, would you like to read the mission statement today, or shall I? I would love to. It's our goal to bring awareness to the public at large about the many different ways to maintain health and heal your body, mind, and spirit, from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. And our first B word on the path of educating everyone about acupuncture and Zen living is burnout. So, um, Kate, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Because I know a little bit um, from reading your book, but Dr. Rob doesn't, and our listeners only know the little snippets that I've shared in promoing the podcast. The promos, by the way, have been super fun. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for those. It's been You're so welcome. fun to read them and, and get excited for the podcast. That way it was, uh, it, it pumped me up quite a bit. Cool. I'm, I'm into it. And I am also like Dr. Steph and like Dr. Rob, I am also an acupuncturist. I've been an acupuncturist for 14 years. And I spent most of those 14 years living in Eastern and Central Europe. So I speak fluent Polish, I speak fluent Czech, which is totally weird for an Irish girl from Boston, <laughs> but, but is the truth of my situation. As an acupuncturist and as, a, as an entrepreneur, I burnt out about six years into my career, five or six years into my acupuncture career. And I was practicing in a foreign country, in a foreign language. So there was a, a lot going into it, but it took me another six or seven years to finally realize that what was happening with me was burnout and that there were certain things that I could be doing to help myself heal. And there were some coaching things I could be focused on and focusing on and some functional medicine things I could be focusing on and some acupuncture things I could be focusing on. But I was, I really went down a rabbit hole of really not understanding why as a health professional, I felt so bad all the time. So I, my experience, or so I thought until I started reading your book <laughs> with burnout, um, for me was um, in, I guess, early 2000, um, I had had my third miscarriage and mm -hmm. I was a massage therapist and I was primarily working on people in their homes. So I was carrying a table. I had been a massage therapist since 1991. And I think when I had that third miscarriage, it kind of pushed me over the edge. I was like, I'm constantly giving and giving and giving. And you talk about this in your book, that thing of what am I doing wrong? I'm a good person. Why are these things happening to me? And, um, I, you know, I think admittedly for me, I used the word burnout at that time. And I stopped doing massage for a period of time. And I did have to do a lot of things. I went to a therapist who did EMDR, eye movement desensitization. I forget what all the initials stand for, but I did EMDR therapy. I uh, did a lot of energy work, having someone do it to me to kind of get out of that. But I have to say in reading your book, I feel like I'm in a constant state of burnout and maybe have been for quite some time. So maybe let's start with, can you give like a, a quick and short definition of burnout for everybody? As far as the research is concerned, the definition is quick and short. Burnout has three components. The first is physical and mental, physical and emotional exhaustion. 
The second is a feeling of cynicism and disconnect. And the third is lack of productivity slash impact in your job, in your area of work. Rob, when you left your job before becoming an acupuncturist, was that a burnout situation for you or? Actually, not really. I, okay. was, I really did enjoy it, but I was ready to move on to something okay. new. But it wasn't a burnout kind of thing. Right. I couldn't remember whether when we had talked about that. Um, I mean, there was a fair amount of physical burnout, but it wasn't the um, psycho-emotional component there. You know, I was I really <clears throat> beat up my body by traveling so much, eating poor food uh, and having some stress. But I really loved what I was doing. It was just more um, the lifestyle. Was oh, interesting that that you say it that way because the emotional exhaustion component of burnout is not typically um, thought of as like necessarily feeling stressed. That's the, but the, I'm going to say this in, in sort of like medical terms, because I feel like the people that listen to this podcast will understand it's basically a hyperactive amygdala, right? So in when normally you'd be able to hand things sort of calmly, you're exploding a little bit more often. You're right. a little bit shorter with the people around you. You're a quicker to anger and you're, you're just quicker to a, a bigger reaction than is normal for you doesn't necessarily mean that you're walking around feeling stressed like we know the difference in this in chinese medicine really well we talk about things like this a lot in chinese medicine but for the everyday person i have had people say that before like well yeah you know i was physically exhausted but mentally i was fine it's like you know better than to think you were mentally fine if you were physically exhausted. Those things, you, we can't pull them apart totally. So you mm -hmm. might have been holding on. You might not have really felt bad, but the people around you might not have felt so good with you. Correct. You know? Yeah. Any other ways that you could share that you feel some people might notice that they're experiencing burnout in their lives? This is something that... I know it's probably individual. It's really, really individual, but I have, you know, my acupuncture intake form is the same intake form I use for coaching clients because I want to know, I want to be able to diagnose you according to Chinese medicine to know if there's some sort of physical issue that we need to address before your body is going to have the energy available to actually deal with the burnout on a mental level. Right. And so I, I really like to dig into that. And it's one of the reasons I'm still so grateful to Chinese medicine. Not only do I still have a practice in New York City, but I, I still can use these tools for a lot of things. The biggest thing, literally, 99 out of 100, I have about 400 intake forms that I can scroll through. All of them say um, tight neck and shoulders, every single one of them. That makes sense, the carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders sort of thing. And exactly. and you talk about in the book, I like that you talk about how, um, and this is not a diss to our male listeners, but a lot of it falls on women to get this, this sense of being burnt out. And later on, I'll, I have a question that um, one of my patients had had wanted me to ask, um, but that it does fall on women a lot because we have to wear so many different hats in our lives. Like if you choose to have kids and you still want to work, you're, you know, how do I juggle all those things? And that I know it was the case. And when I was married, it all fell on me. You want to work, you figure it out. You figure out what to do with the kids. But when it's a snow day, like today, that's, you know, it's your job to be home and that we do kind of go like, why can't I juggle all this? Because it is so much to to juggle and, and sort of hold on to. Um, 
So can you describe for anyone, because I, I, of course, I want everyone to read your book because I, I'm probably two chapters away from being done. I bumped it up on my um, reading list when you when you said that you would come on and talk because I wanted to be familiar with, you know, your writing. Um, talk to me about what bounce back ability is. So to me, bounce back ability is an updated version of the word resilience, because I think Resilience, when you look up the definition, it's it basically says that you know you can stretch an elastic and it should come back to its original form. But that we sorry. I'm sorry. My life experiences do not leave me the same person. Right. So I'm stretched and I'm in a different form. I want to be able from any of my forms to know deep down inside that no matter what happens to me, I have the ability to constantly return to myself, whatever form she may be in. So right. bounce back ability to me is this really, really deep understanding that you can always return to yourself. And in order to have it, you've got to have, you know, those few components that I talk about in, in the book. And I loved how you described it that way. The, the difference between, because to me, when you, in the book, when you talk about re resilience, it does sound like it's a harsh thing or harder thing. Whereas that, that bounce back ability factor made me feel like a sense of ease in that coming back to sort of stability, I guess, was how I felt when I was reading it. Um, and um so let me just look at, because there's so many things I wanted to talk to you about. And I'm like, I just, I don't even know if I could get them all in. Um, <laughs> is Are there signs that you see, um, or is it mostly that once people come to you, they're already at that point? Or are there signs that people should be looking for to say, I might be getting close to this and I need to seek out someone like Caitlin to get me back on the path of, you know, not hitting burnout or are most of the people who come to see you already at that point where they're like, nope, I've, I've hit the wall and I got to come back. Most people are already there by the time they reach out because before getting there, and this is another thing that we know with Chinese medicine practitioners, like we don't see people until they've hit a wall. For the most part, there are people that I had people over the years that came in week by week just for the sake of, of maintaining their health. I did have, that was quite a large part of my patient load when I was in Prague. But typically, people are not shelling out money on things that they don't really think they need to be shelling out money on. Right. And people are, if you think that you might be close to burnout, you're burnt out already. Like right. it's already too late. So I think that the initial way in the beginning, if you know that you have signs of people pleasing, if you know you have that tendency, if you know you have some built up blame and resentment hanging around, but physically and mentally you still feel okay, you should have those two red flags showing all the time for yourself so that you can sort of check in and see where you stand because blame and resentment leads to burnout real, real fast. People pleasing leads to burnout. Real, real people pleasing leads to blame and resentment, which leads to burnout, you know, so we're in a closed circle here. And that's another tricky thing about burnout. Most of the, almost everything is a closed circle. So almost everything that causes burnout is also a symptom of burnout. And so you, once you're on the cycle. Catch 22. Yeah. Um, now, again, we, 
in the book, it talks a lot more in terms of this happening for women. Does burnout look different in men than it does for women? Do men resist the idea that they're burnt out and women are just more aware of it and go and seek the help that they need? I don't think too many people are seeking the help that they need yet. We are reaching a critical mass of burnout right now after last year. So that's starting to change. So I went from having about one sales call every 10 days in the last year to last month having seven. Right. So everything is being like I double the amount of sales calls last month. So everything is uh, reaching a sort of critical mass at the moment. But right. women are admitting it more. But I am also talking to women more because that is my audience, because I am a female entrepreneur, because that was my right. experience. However, I would like to say that men have a really hard time admitting it. And the same patriarchal society that says women need to be responsible for their children and do their jobs and keep the house clean and keep the laundry done also tells men, you have to keep your entire household financially solvent and make sure that your family is safe physically at all times, which is like not possible and really a big ask. So that same, those same patriarchal rules are damaging to all of us, right. really. And just because someone is burnt out, one of the things, these, this was another thing that I liked about the book. It wasn't um, like, oh, you burnt out, now you have to change every single thing in your life and start a whole new career. What I like about the book is that it talks about there are ways to make tiny little adjustments to get out of that burnout and find that joy in your life again. Small changes, big impact. Right. That's over and over and over again. The smallest change for the biggest impact. I was just talking to a client earlier today and we were, it was our first sort of official call after, after a sales call. And we started working and we were looking through some of her information and I stopped and I said, well, what's going on with this? And it was a, a, a system in her business that just wasn't set up. And she said, well, I don't know how to do it. I said, well, hire a VA. This you can't this can't be like this. This right. is costing you. You are spending up to 10 hours a week on this task that should be fully automated. Right. So let's do that thing and buy you 10 hours a week. We're right. talking 40 hours a month right now. These but are again, but we sorry. don't think of it. That's okay. Yeah. When you're burnt out, you just you don't have the capacity. And and I think sometimes it's hard to let go and delegate. And, and find those things where you can delegate those tasks to someone else. And there's a point in the book where you talk about um, not stepping in. Like we all wanna rescue everyone at, at our own cost. And you know that plays into that too. That like, well, you know, I find myself and I, in reading, I was like, oh my God, I do this all the time. That I'm like, just let me do it because when when it's not done and then you ask me later and I don't know how you did it, I'm more frustrated that I didn't just do it in the beginning and how to like kind of reconcile that and do you just let the chips fall where they may? I was like, hmm, this is going to be interesting because I want to try and implement that. This is such an important part of the book to me. This is where kind of most of my coaching started with the knot theory. It was It's the first thing that I was asked to talk about. It's the first thing that people invited me to podcasts over. It, it was, and every time I use it in a workshop, the whole room goes silent. And then somebody starts to cry. 
and they're like, oh my God, this can be different. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this can be different. And just last week, I wish I had it in the room with, with me right now, I don't, but just last week, my uh, sister sent me a gift and it was a, a t-shirt that said, not my knot, you know, with a sailor's knot underneath it. Oh, I and love then, it. So I put it on, I took a picture. I was like, oh, you're so funny. And then she sent me a picture of every single one of like my aunts, my mother, my sister, some of my cousins. And I'm from a big Roman Catholic Irish family. I have 36 cousins, like wow. big family. So there was a lot of pictures of people in these t-shirts and we were laughing about it. But the reason that this is so important is because when we are overstepping, which so many of us do, especially those of us that are led into healing professions, we see a problem, we want to fix it. And we think that we are being kind and good. And what we fail to realize is that sometimes people don't want our help. Sometimes people don't need our help. And sometimes we're injecting more judgment to their situation than we are healing. And this, when you start to really untangle this and get really honest about it in your own life, it's a little bit ugly. Yeah. Like when I was writing those, those portions of the book and I was really thinking about the ways that I do this in my own life, like let's not pretend that I don't do that anymore, first of all. I mean, I know the lesson, but I'm still learning it. Right. It's just life. But when I was thinking about being on the tram in Prague and you know, asking someone else to get up so that an old woman could sit down and the old woman being like, I'm fine. You know, like right. I, I'm getting off at the next stop. Like, I don't need you to do that for me. I thought about how much bad energy I created starting from the moment where I sat there watching the old lady walking onto the tram and staring at the person who was in the elderly seat, like with rockets in my eyes, with lasers in my eyes, like, aren't you going to get up? Right. You know, like, <laughs> and I didn't, when I when I broke that down and realized how judgmental I was being of the person in that seat, not knowing as a healing professional and knowing that they could have chronic fatigue. Right. They might deserve to be in that seat, but I'm judging it anyway, right? So right. I'm judging that, which I don't like about myself. I'm judging mm -hmm. the old woman's abilities to speak up for herself, right. which is like none of my business. But when you are unaccustomed to speaking up for your own needs. Right. You assume that other people don't speak up for their needs too. Right. So sometimes you choose to use your voice because you didn't get something you needed earlier that day and nobody helped you. So you're like, well, I'll step in here. And the person right. is like, I didn't really, I'm cool right now. Yeah. I'm I good. I didn't need that at the moment. Didn't need that. Thanks. Bye. So another thing that struck me, um, and I loved that you included this, that whole, um, Everything happens for a reason. So I just wanted to share that. So in 2017, and I think I've shared this with the people who listen to our podcast, I had um, like a major surgeries and was pretty close to death. And the best card that I got was from my girlfriend, Leslie. And it said, um, uh, not everything happens for a reason. Sometimes bad shit happens to good people. And it was my favorite card after that because I am the person who would be like, well, what did I do that I deserved to go through all of this 
shit that I went through. And I loved that you had that in the book that, you know, like you don't have to think and find the message in everything that happens right away to heal. Yeah, this is really big for me. And this became big for me because I mean, I started acupuncture school at 20. So I'll just throw that out there. I was a, I was a baby. And, you know, during acupuncture school, there's a lot of law of attraction talk. There's a lot of crystals. There's a lot of like, you know, this whole sort of spiritual world. And it intrigues me at the time. And there's pieces of it that I really enjoy. Pieces. And that everything happens for a reason was something I held on to for a while. And then we had a really, really serious situation in my family that I was like, that's incredibly rude. It is incredibly rude to tell people that everything happens for a reason when the thing that happens to them mm -hmm. is so damn awful. Right. And I started reconsidering and I was like, maybe we add the reason after in order to help us heal and we do it on purpose. I'm okay with intentionally finding a silver lining way after the fact in order to, to supplement your healing, to enhance your healing. Reframing is a powerful psychological tool that has been used for ages. It's useful, let's use it. But can we not jump there like the day after things happen? Can, right. we, can we not like silver lining things on Tuesday when Monday was the shitty day? That I loved that you pointed that out that, you know, like and that and that, you know, sometimes it isn't just positive thinking that is the cure all fix all that, you know, you can say affirmation after affirmation after affirm after aff affirmation. But if there's other things that need to be healed, that you you need to work through those things and that there are different ways that you can you know, work through them. I loved how you put it. Just, you know, sometimes you need to be in the muck at the time of it happening. That phrase was just so perfect. That was one of the favorites that comes up in the, if you look at the Amazon reviews, it says sitting in the muck <laughs> in like every second one. It's really funny. Yeah, no, it's, it's the perfect analogy of like, you can't always find that silver lining right away. And you can't always just- and you shouldn't. Right. And think that just if I say these, you know, different things, and I, and I, you know, obviously there's a sense of, again, when I was reading this thinking, okay, I think I came back from my surgeries because I have that bounce back ability factor. Um, that, or my boyfriend always says, I'm like even Steven on the episode of Seinfeld that everything just always works out okay because I do kind of try and think it's all gonna be okay. But sometimes you have to work through the crappy parts of it to get there. Um, uh, I, another thing that I liked that you said was, is that, you know, there were different points of, of things that resonated in terms of causes of burnout and the living, you know, your life by someone else's rules and not even knowing what your own rules are and that you kind of have to sit down and go, is this my rule or is this somebody else's rule? This I love, and the best example is the story that I left in the book, which is an old wives' tale. I did not make this story up. This is, you know, a, a story that gets handed down. I don't know where it originated. I, I did try to look it up when I was writing the book so that I could properly credit someone, but it's just one of those stories that sort of has always seemed to exist. And the story is simple, and it goes like this. Sunday afternoon, a mother is cooking a roast with her daughter. She takes the roast. She chops off either end of the roast, puts it in the pan, puts the vegetables in, puts the roast to cook. And the daughter says, mom, why did you cut the ends of the meat off before you put it in the pan? 
And the mother says, I'm not sure. That's how your grandmother did it. Grandmother happens to live with them. And they say, Grandma, why did you cut the roast off, cut the meat off the end of the roast before you put it in the pan? And Grandma says, I don't know. That's how my mother did it. So they call, say, Great Grandma, why did you cut the ends of the roast off before you put it in the pan? And she said, My pan didn't fit otherwise. It was too big. <laughs> right? Like, are you still using the same size pan that your great grandmother used? Probably not, because you probably can't even buy them anymore. Like, there's, there's yeah. Americans, that's a whole nother conversation, but American sizes of everything means you can fit the roast in the pan these right. days. But what, <laughs> right? So, what are we? doing without analyzing it. And a lot of the things, which is really interesting to me, a lot of the things are really annoying. So my mother, my parents used to own a laundromat when I was a kid. And my mother would work there on the weekends and she would fold people's laundry, you know, wash, dry, fold. And she would fold laundry. And you know, those like clear, really thin plastic tall bags that laundry used to go into. I don't know if they still do, but they used to. Well, my mother had this particular system for folding the towels in a, a way that two towels side by side at the bottom would make a perfect stack so that it wouldn't fold over, roll, or nothing would happen to the clothes once they were all in there. It's like very systematic, definitely worked. <clears throat> but I didn't realize that I could fold towels a different way until I was like 30. <laughs> so I was living in Poland. My husband has this, you know, we're, we're in this apartment. It's 640 square meters, which at the time was massive because I had just been in college. So this was a huge apartment to me. But let's be honest, it was not a huge apartment. And so the storage in the bathroom was, you know, the, the size of a tin can. And I'm folding these towels like my mother always did. And they don't fit in the cabinet. And I'm mad at the cabinet. <laughs> right? Instead of, and, and then... I realized after some time that I actually really prefer to roll towels than to fold them because I like the way they look better. And when I rolled the towels, they fit just fine, right? <laughs> so I spent probably a year and a half being mad at a cabinet because I didn't consider that I could do this silly different thing way. differently. Yeah. So I, it made it actually, and I wanted to just share this made me think of something that my son said to me recently when we were having a conversation about him not feeling like he was being listened to, um, not by me. Um, and he said, you know, the point in your life that you're most influenced is the point in your life that you have the least influence. Now he's 17 mm -hmm. and he recently said this. Um, and I do feel like at 17, you should have a little bit more say. Um, but it just was kind of like, you, you know, he gets it at that age that, you know, like the things that you're influenced by. Um, and I and I, like I said, I love that you talk in the book, people through that process of like deconstructing these different things and trying to figure out what works for, you know, um, works for you. Um, I did though, like have thoughts on this in terms of like, when you shared the story, you share a story about um, the quiet time in the morning and how you thought that that's how everybody was. How do you reconcile when like two different people come together and like, I like more quiet time and definitely like, my boyfriend is like, no, he has the TV on longer than me. Do you just like, do a schedule and be like, okay, on this hour, <laughs> we're going to have no TV. 
Well, that depends on the kind of people you are. If you're scheduled people, make a schedule. If yeah. you're not, get noise canceling headphones. Yeah. If you need more silence, find a way to get it. Yeah. This is, you know, my husband was just in the hospital recently. And of course, you know, you can't go visit and you can't, there's no access. And you know, like it, it's just, it's a giant disaster. And after the first night he said, I don't really want you to have to drive out here again. Meanwhile, I would have driven out there 18 times a day right. if you needed me to, but I don't want you to have to drive out here again, but it's so noisy at night that I can't rest. I know that I'm gonna sleep at various times cause I'm laying in a bed all day. Like I, I don't need to sleep all at night, but it's, I don't wanna be like disturbed. Can you bring me my noise canceling headphones? And right. I was like, of course. Right. So if you, if there's something that you need more of, you might have to be creative in the way that you get it. Right. Right. I got really that. lucky with the quiet mornings things in my house. My husband is was <laughs> learned that really quickly and just stepped back because I, I like never thought of it. But I will say, like, I am not a morning person. Don't yeah. talk to me until my coffee is done. Don't be cheery first thing in the morning because there is no sunshine until after the coffee and the vitamins are done. Um, I also love that you included um, changes in the physical environment that you're in, um, making small changes to to make things more comfortable so that if there's something, like I think you talked about the lighting, I have fluorescent lighting in my office and I've been systematically replacing it with different lighting because it makes a noise and I hate it. It's ugly and it just doesn't feel good. So, and my son is going to school for electrical. And I was like, you know, I hadn't thought about how much of a difference it makes in the rooms where those lights have already been swapped out. Like it just feels better in those treatment rooms. I don't know why anybody ever used, I mean, I guess it was supposed to be cheaper to use fluorescent lighting, but I think it sucks the life out of you. And I think you kind of mentioned that like in corporate environments where you, you know, there is a lot of that fluorescent lighting. Um, I love that you, I love stuff that you just said that it was, it's really frustrating for you, right? Because this is how we figure out what we need to change. Right. Get the things that are annoying you and start improving them. It's as simple as that. And I'll, this is a funny example. I think, I don't know if I can pull all the way over there um, to show you, but this is really funny. So this bookshelf that we have in here, we just moved to a new house. And this bookshelf is mostly my husband's books because I keep like work type books and every other book I donate to a library or I give to somebody else. I, I don't hold on to fiction books, but I read a lot of them. But my husband does not like to get rid of books. So the, this is my office, but these are mostly his. So my book is now right here, correct? <laughs> which and, is smart. Which is, yeah, like, okay, like it's cute, it's cute, fine. But what was here before was this face. Can you see it? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awful? Yeah, not, I can't imagine coaching with that being. Right. So I had to notice it and I was sitting here one day and I was just about to do a call like this. I, it was, uh, I think it was actually for like the um, Association of Corporate Counsel for Chicago. Like it was like a, a big meeting with like 200 lawyers, you know? And I, I looked and I saw that face. <laughs> I was just like, that is awful. And we, 
you know, in, in Chinese thought, we have feng shui, right? So you're right. thinking about the energy flow of a space and et cetera. People can go much more in depth with that than I can. It's not my area of expertise at all. But you know whether or not something feels good in your space. I know that having that face behind me was not right. 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 I, it wasn't great. <clears throat> and I like having my book behind me because that's sort of fun. And people can't tell it's my book from there unless they have the book themselves. Right. But that's okay. Like, I know it's there. I right. feel better about it. And then in this corner is my favorite piece of furniture that we have is this table that Marcin's grandmother bought um, in like the 60s. And we've brought it with us all over the world, everywhere we've been. And it's my little altar. It's got my candle on it. It's got pictures of my dog. It's right. got some incense. It's got a couple crystals. It's got some you know, oracle cards, whatever it happens to be. But like, I have these spaces in this room because I need them. Right. Because they feel good to me. Right. And we don't give ourselves enough, especially now, like people are walking from home, working at dining room tables. So what, is there a small shift you can make? Like, one of my friends was um, asked, called and said, she said, I need some help setting up my office so that I'm not feeling so overwhelmed. And I was like, all right, well, show me around. You know, I'm not, I don't set up people's offices, but it was a friend and we were just chatting. And she had put her chair to the window. And I said, well, what if you sat on the other side of the table so you could look outside? And so she flipped her computer around and she was like, oh, wow, that's much better. Right. Like, it doesn't always have to be a big thing, but are there small, small but impactful changes you can make so that the environment that you're working in, even if it's your, your kitchen counter or your dining room table, is there something you can do to make it 5% better, 10% right. better? Just a little more comfy and a little more, it just brings that little bit of light into it. Exactly. Um, I also liked that you shared different ways that people can, um, things that they can do for themselves to change their brain's ability to be resilient. Like, of course, acupuncture um, and a lot of other things so that you are guiding people to, you know, just to make that change and kind of be more loving and do that self-care so that they can bounce back. This is really important and something that really sort of got my goat. I did a, um, I co-moderated a clubhouse room this weekend and the conversation was about burnout, but there was a lot of talk about how we need to change the organizations because according to burnout research, which is carried out in hospitals and corporations, hospitals and corporations are responsible for 80% of the burnout and the individuals are responsible for 20% of the burnout. And I get that and I agree with it. Our systems are screwed up and they need to change. However, I burnt out as an entrepreneur Right, so uh, like I, I made the rules and I still burnt out. Right. And we weren't talking about, the thing that I really thought was missing was we weren't discussing the people that were already burnt out and needed to heal. This was a really big problem to me because it's like saying, you know, heart disease is a major issue in our country and we really need to think about how much processed food we allow people to buy and promoting fruits and vegetables and promoting organic foods and promoting exercise, heart healthy exercise and 
you know, we really need to change these systems that we're in to prevent heart disease. That's like saying that and then stopping like bypass surgeries because now you're going to focus on the organizational side and we can't do that. Right. So we have to fix those. Yeah. Like the people that are already burnt out need to know that they deserve to heal before we fix the organizational things that we're probably not going to fix tomorrow. And in order to heal from burnout, it's really important to understand that you're not making this stuff up. Right. That you're not making it up. If you did a brain brain scan three years ago and you did a brain scan today, your frontal cortex, the part of your brain that sits behind your forehead, has is smaller, has lost nerve cells, measurably smaller because right. of chronic stress. When that area of your brain is measurably smaller, you have less ability to connect with other people. So you are less empathic. You have less ability to control your emotional state. Therefore, the overactive amygdala that we were talking about before. So so your emotional brain sort of goes wild, but you don't have the filter that you normally have to create space between the stimulus and the reaction, like Viktor Frankl says, right, in in A Man's Search for Meaning. You lose your ability, uh, your decision-making ability is fatigued faster than normal. So by the time you get to noon, like you've, you're probably done deciding for the day. Right. There's all of these things can't make that any more decisions. Yeah, you can't. And so it, <clears throat> it was really important to me to include that in the book so that people understood that when you're actually feeling all those symptoms of burnout, it's not that you just need, again, a mindset shift is not going to fix it. Right. You need your body to have access to such a level of safety that your nervous system tells your brain that it can regrow right now, that it's not under attack, that there's no threat here. Right. I just want to um, read one of Daryl's comments back to about the changing spaces. She says that on virtual days, I sit at my dining room table and I made sure my plants and elephants and Buddha are right behind me so that she has that, you know, feeling of love surrounding her from things that make her feel you know, happy and perfect. Good things. Um, Dr. Rob, I saw you shaking your head a lot during, a lot during the, the brain portion. What are your thoughts? Uh, <clears throat> just um, it really bears it out with what we're going through in the last few years here with right. all the stress that we're having, right? Yeah. Is like you said, the um, <clears throat> ability to bounce back is, is suffering greatly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, and that space, be, you know, really hit, the nail on the head with the space between, um, what, what are the two words you used? Stimulus uh, and response. Stimulus and response, right? Is you can't walk through a parking lot anymore without having someone lose it on you. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, so how are we, we need to create a movement of healing burnout while we create the movement to end burnout culture in the organizations, in the overall culture, in the the systems that we've been using to create the world that we're living in right now. It's going to take a little while, but while that's happening, we still have to create space for people to heal because we're, we're tired and our brains are tired and our nervous systems are overloaded. It's one of the reasons that I love still being an acupuncturist because talking about like acupuncture there are certain points that automatically in i don't need to tell you guys this but you know for for listeners that automatically increase the amount of um cerebral serotonin in your brain 
right? So for any acupuncturist listening, listening, it's do 20 and stomach 36, like no big surprise, right? Then the crown of happiness points, right? The do 24, you'd be 13, 15, right? Is that right? I never remember the, the numbers anymore. I think it's GB and then oh, yeah, okay. stomach eight. Yeah. 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 Those. Putting the crown on the princess. Putting the crown on the princess. <laughs> we called it. I, called, I learned it as the crown of happiness. I like and that. It literally, during that treatment, your cells will start to regrow in that part of your brain. If that's amazing. I've like, had that's some, incredible. I had somebody tell me when I do a lot of the scalp points yeah. to calm the mind, she says, it feels like I'm getting the hamster off the wheel. And I was like, that's such like a perfect, you know, explanation for it. Exactly. This is a really good point in the comments. Gretchen says, on weekends, I rarely check my email because I need a break. Everyone else is on 24 seven, but I physically can't do it seven days a week, which is something else I think you mentioned in your book, setting aside times and putting like your phone on do not disturb. And I think I'm guilty of this. Like I'll keep my phone by me and I'm like, okay, this is my time that I'm gonna read. And I'll look over and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put my phone on do not disturb from now on when I'm reading. It Nothing is, if, especially when my kids are with me, nothing is so urgent if my kids are in the house with me that I need to look at my phone when I'm trying to like <clears throat> decompress and read something that's relaxing. Well, and for me, it's one thing is nothing is that urgent. The other thing is I'm obsessed with technology and I'm going to check this within an hour anyway. Right. Like, I'm, right. I'm going to yeah. check it anyway. So right. so why not wait? It'll still yeah. be there. I also love that you talk about that the traumas that might be causing patterns to take time to heal. I think that that's something that over and over again, I come back to even with patients when I say, if I could make someone like trigger the healing response in one visit. Don't you think I would charge like a thousand dollars a visit and I would work one day a week and I'd be on vacation in Hawaii for like the rest of the week. It, you know, it takes time. However, I think when it comes to myself, I don't give myself that time. Mm. I want other people to be patient with themselves, but I'm often not with myself. So reading that, and hearing it from someone else was like, yeah, I do need to be more patient when I'm trying to work through these different things. And we do this in Chinese medicine all the time, right? Chinese medicine is a subtle medicine. It can be completely miraculous in one treatment that does happen. Yeah. But as a typical, it's sort of like the slow food movement, it's the slow medicine movement. And what we forget to talk to people about, I think, and as acupuncturists, I think this is a, a big miscommunication that we're having with our patients that is doing a disservice, is that when we do a treatment and we create some sort of movement and improvement, they go back to their lives and live the same life that they were living before. So if I get 5% and then you use up four of it, just living your life, then we're ahead 1%. And I'm kind of cool with that. I'm not saying you have to change everything in your life and become a perfect patient in order to only be healing all the time. Even if you were a quote unquote perfect patient, you're still driving down the street and there's too many distractions. There's still too so much stimulus right. in our world right now that no matter what we do, we're always gonna be fighting a little bit with what's happening. And I am never, as an acupuncturist, I was never gonna be the person to tell you not to have a glass of wine or to avoid you know, having dessert that day. Rob has a great little tool 
he brought it into one of our podcasts. It's like a scale and he does that. Okay, so you did this and it tips the scale this way, but you did this good thing. And I love that he brought it in and showed, you know, on the podcast that that's a way that you can explain that like here, you know, if you come in and see me and do acupuncture, it's gonna, you know, tip the scales to the healthy side, but then, you know, depending on what you do, it might undo some of what I've done. That's a great, that's a great way to share. What made you, what made you choose that? Where did that come from for you? I I honestly don't remember. It's Mm. something I, you know, do this with my patients uh, for years. And then finally I thought, why don't I just buy a little wooden scale, you know, like the Libra. Yeah. And what was great was it came with little weights Oh, cool. And, and I can say things like, you know, this is the stress that you, you're put under. This is your Lyme disease, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this is that other thing that's going on in your life that's just not going to go away. And then what do we have on the other side to help bring you back to balance here? Yeah. We have acupuncture. We have walks in the woods. We have yoga, meditation, vacation, uh, quiet time. A right? couple extra healthy meals in the week. Some healthy meals, right? Yeah. Some sleep. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that go on both sides and you can use it on so many levels too. it. It could be things that are outside your control. There could be things that are inside your control. Yeah, absolutely. What a great, uh, what a great visual. It's like making me really happy to see that in my head. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. For that. <laughs> I was trying to find one on Amazon, but I couldn't find one as cool. So I'm like, Oh, I'm, I have to keep looking because I love <laughs> the idea because some people are visual and need you to walk them through that exercise to see like, this is what you should and shouldn't do. I, I found like a little kid's one and I was like, it could fit in my practice, but it it just wasn't, I was like, nah, I think I need something a little better than what it was. Maybe um, Etsy. Yeah, that might that might work. And I think Amazon is like hit or miss, but Etsy at least it's like a, usually a right. small business owner. Um, yeah. Catherine McKenzie has a great comment. It's a long one, so bear with me. She's a, a colleague as well. Um, she said, I feel like this is so important to talk about. I saw burnout on Wall Street a lot, but I burnt out in my own practice by working six days a week for years treating patients. I had a hypertensive cri- crisis and it wasn't until I couldn't recover that I had to change. Mm. I discovered I was working too much because overworking was how I could gain love from my abusive mother. Mm. I thought I-, I was just so loving. I just needed to help people heal all the time anything else was selfish. But it was when I cut off my relationship with my abusive mother that I started to heal. I stood up for my own needs. When I did that, everything changed. I no longer believe overworking is healthy. But I do think that belief is a huge problem in our culture, and that there is more going on there. Thank you for helping. Thank you for talking about burnout. You're welcome. I do think it's so, so important. Yeah. Um, I do have a question. This was the question because I want to, you know, get everything in. I want to get everything in. Um, uh, so, uh, one of my uh, friends had asked, "Why does American culture glorify the stereotype of the burnt-out mother who does it all and puts herself last?" And I'm not even sure if you have the answer to that. But I, I when she asked me that, I was like, you know, there is something to that. That there's this you know, idea that you have to do as a, you know, be this burnt out mom or you're not doing it right. Have you read Untamed? I have not yet, but it is on my to read list. My answer to that question is read Untamed. 
Okay. <laughs> this is, I, it's, it's incredible, but this is actually not even just American culture. Um, mothers worldwide are taught that self-sacrifice and martyr is the way to go. And if you are not losing yourself and losing your edges in order to create space for your children, then you're not good enough. So we all do it. And then we're concerned when our daughters start doing it too. Yeah. I mean, there are times when I think to myself, I wouldn't want my daughter to have to go through stuff that I go through. Like, why would I want this for her? But this is what we teach each other, right? Women are taught right. to be the people pleasers, like make yourself smaller so other people can be bigger. Don't have an opinion on what restaurant you want to go to tonight because right. it's more important that somebody else gets the thing that they're preferring. But this martyrdom is um, really, and this is huge in Poland, huge in Poland, but not only. I think it's really, really strongly steeped in religion. It's really popular ask, for the Catholics. It's really popular guess. for yeah. for the the Jewish amongst us as well. It's very popular to martyr yourself as a mother. I think, and what is written in Untamed, my my belief is that this is the way we control women. This is how men keep their power. No, like no offense, Rob, <laughs> because I do think that the system is messing men up too. I don't, I don't subscribe to the. Um, Men are at top and, and they're, everything in their lives is great. Like they're, they're struggling. There's so many struggles with that side of it that we're not talking about enough. The struggles on our side of it are, are just that. If we keep you so busy and force you to disappear, then the softness and goodness that you want to see in the world, that the changes that you want to make, you won't have the energy for. So we won't have to deal with. And we can go fight our wars and, and do our thing and keep our power and keep control. Um, so I think we got everyone's comments in. Do you have anything else you wanted to share other than that I want everybody to know, like you, you also have a podcast where you talk about this and share lots of things called Fried the Burnout Podcast. Um, I have a copy of my book. I think everyone should read Caitlin's book. See, this is the hard thing about being in front. Oh, there it is. Ming popped it up for us. The Bounce Back Ability Factor. Um, it is such a great book. I am thoroughly enjoying it, not just from the perspective of as a practitioner, um, but implementing some of these things in my own life because I don't want to experience burnout. I love what I do. Um, and you, can I share that you told me that you're working on another? Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, okay, and she's in the process of writing another book as well, so. Yes, I just, I started Saturday night. I had a download and I had to start. I just, I, I labeled my chapters. I wrote my prologue and my intro and I read through it and I was like, oh shit, this is good. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. And and, so, and I'm going to link all of um, Kate's info to, we have a link tree page. So I'm going to link your info in there so people can get to that as well um, from, you know, our podcast pages. And I'm just so grateful that you came on to chat with us about this. I hope people, you know, read your book because it is so informative and so helpful and they can coach with you to solve you know some of this burnout in their own lives and we're just so appreciative thank you so thank much you. this was great thank you for for having me for inviting me and for 
really taking the time to actually read the book before I to, as much as you could before I came on. I wasn't expecting that. So when you wrote to me earlier in the week, I was really um, so I was just so pleasantly surprised, and I felt so honored that you took the time. Well, it was on that. my re to read list, and when you said that you had the time to come on, I thought, well, oh, I have to bump it up because I wanted to. You know, I didn't want to come in blind and not know anything about the book, and I think it allowed me to. It just like I said, it was so enjoyable. And I feel like I can see how I can use this in my own work and in my own personal life and, and you know, fight burnout myself. So thank you. I'm so into that. Um, and so Rob, Dr. Rob's, um, is Clayton your mentor? Can we use the word mentor or? You could say that. Okay, so Dr. Yeah. Clayton Shu is gonna come on next week. We're gonna delve more into stroke and um, what was the subtopic? Cranial, cranial nerve pain. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's also gonna talk about some other stuff too. So um, it's gonna be in addition to what we've already talked about, not any real repeats or anything. Okay, cool. So and then great. I'm hoping that Caitlin will come on again when, uh, when she has her next book or any time in between. Thank anytime. you so much. Thanks Ming for getting us all in remote because of the snowstorm. Yeah. And thank you Rob for coming because Rob was working um, for the Office of Emergency Management all day out there keeping everyone safe in the storm. So I'm sure keeping he's- Keeping that male burnout thing going. <laughs> yes. So thank well, you. Um, once this is over, I go back and work an overnight. So, you know, we get to brag about not sleeping. Right. I, you and know. you're keeping everybody safe. You're you're fulfilling <laughs> your oh, duties, you know. being overly helpful. Right. At thank the expense you. of peace and peace of mind. Right? <laughs> and thank you, everyone who was listening today. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Be well. All right. Thank you. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding any medical condition. The views expressed in the Practical Medicine Podcast are our own and do not represent those of all licensed acupuncture professionals. Always seek the help of your own acupuncturist or medical provider to determine your best course of action. You may want to use the information presented as a supplement to better understand your diagnosis or treatment, but it should not be the sole thing that you use to make important medical decisions. Do not use the content of the podcast in lieu of medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking care because of something you have heard on this podcast. Privacy is important to us. Thus, all people, places, and scenarios have been changed where applicable 
to protect privacy and maintain confidentiality.